Welcome into a free-for-all Friday on the David Glenn Show. David Jackson in for DG today. Glad to be with you again. Like the, we substitute Davids around here. David Glenn out. We'll tell you a little bit more about where he is today, doing great work uh, for an old friend of his. And I'm in. David Jackson with you today. We've got plenty to talk about. It's a free-for-all Friday, so as always, we take your phone calls. 800-849-2761 to be a part of the program. And we've got a ton on the docket for you to talk about today. Of course, the Panthers get back to it this weekend. They'll be out in San Francisco taking on the 49ers. Huge game. All kinds of implications for the Panthers, where they are with their quarterback situation. Can they keep their four-game win streak alive? Can they knock off a 49ers team that hasn't found a way to lose a game yet? And uh, we'll get into that with Darren Gant coming up here a little bit later on in the program, as well as all things NFL. There was actually a game last night. And if you're, if you're one of those old-school residents of the state of North Carolina and before the Panthers existed, you were like a diehard Washington Redskins fan. Last night had to be tough to watch. Man. See if the Redskins can, can ever get it back uh, in the groove again. The Vikings had easy work with them. Dalvin Cook brought his old Florida State feet to work last night. Had a huge day both rushing the football. Great night receiving. Uh, Stefan Diggs, also uh, another solid night. I think he's gone over 140 yards receiving in four straight games, if I read that right this morning. So big night for the Vikings as they continue to try to keep pace in the NFC North. Things south for the Redskins as they uh, dropped a 19-9 decision, and I don't think it was that close. Uh, some baseball news and a variety of different kinds of baseball stories as we get World Series Game 3 underway up in Washington. First World Series game played in the nation's capital since the 1930s. That will go on tonight at 8 o'clock. There have been storylines not so much centered on the field for the Houston Astros to deal with in the last 48 hours. We'll touch briefly on that. There is also some other Major League Baseball news that has some North Carolina ties to it. That being that Joe Girardi was named the manager of the Phillies officially. You say, what is Joe Girardi's tie to North Carolina? I'll, I'll, I'll ask this of, of Darren Vaught. Uh, do you know what Joe Girardi's tie to no. North Carolina is? I don't it's think a great I do. tie. It's a great tie. And, and I, I have to preface this by saying that I'm sitting right now pretty close to the city where this occurred. Uh, hanging out at the Sports Hub today. Want to thank uh, the full crew here, Desmond, DJ, and Josh, for helping me uh, get situated here. I didn't have to traverse too far down the highway today. But back to the point. Joe Girardi, 1987, primary catcher for the Winston-Salem Spirits. Nice. One of six players on that team to, uh, to advance to the show, but by far the most successful. I think the only other player that was on the 1987 Winston-Salem Spirits roster that you probably heard of was Heathcliff Slocum. Uh, <laughs> yes. He pitched He pitched in the playoffs for the, for the Mariners. He played for the Phillies uh, a while after, after he was gone from the Cubs. But back in 87, the, the Cubs were the, uh, the uh, major league affiliate of the, the Winston-Salem franchise, and Joe Girardi was their catcher. And, uh, and he hung out here for a full season, played 95 games in 87, went on to, uh, to a, a pretty solid major league career. Of course, uh, a brilliant managerial career, his time with the Yankees most notable. Now he's heading a little bit further down the East Coast from a managerial perspective, and he will be the new uh, manager of Bryce Harper and the Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce Harper, of course, much to a lot of folks, a satirical uh, uh, enjoyment watching the team that he vacated 
uh, and and thought that he had a better World Series shot with the Phillies, even though, remember in his press conference that he said that he was excited to bring a World Series back to D.C. Like, no, you're not there anymore. You're, you're in Philadelphia, and actually right now he's on the couch watching his former teammates uh, go up two games to none on the Houston Astros. The World Series gets back underway tonight. We, we do have another baseball angle that we're going to tackle on the show today, uh, and, and this has been discussed some. J.J. Cooper of Baseball America broke a story last week about some potential radical changes between the relationship between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. Uh, those two have a working agreement uh, similar to, to what we've seen between the uh, Major League Baseball and the Players Association out of a collective bargaining agreement about how the two organizations are going to to help facilitate what we know and enjoy in this state as minor league baseball. There are 12 minor league baseball franchises in the state of North Carolina. 11 of those are associated with major league affiliated teams. The 12th, of course, is the high point rockers of the independent Atlantic League. So 11 affiliated minor league teams in North Carolina. It's a big part of our summertime enjoyment. You can take it from the AAA ranks of the, the Durham Bulls and the Charlotte Knights all the way down to the Burlington Royals of the, the short season Appalachian League. Every league is represented just about in this state, uh, and, and it is one of the things that we we enjoy. Well, if these radical changes occur, we're talking about potentially seeing teams lose their affiliated status. We're looking at the elimination of leagues, possibly about 42 different teams could no longer be a part of that or a minor league baseball umbrella uh, should these changes uh, be negotiated and indeed accepted between minor league baseball and major league baseball. So we're going to have J.J. Cooper on the show in a bit to talk about you know, just kind of that implication for the state of North Carolina, right? Because we have so many, so many teams, so many franchises, some of them new, some of them significant economic investments, uh, thinking about the new downtown stadium that was just built in Fayetteville. Uh, similar thing, not too far removed uh, in Winston-Salem and in Greensboro. Certainly Charlotte's got one of the nicest, and Durham has dumped a bunch of money into their stadiums. Some of those franchises, probably okay. You know, they've, Especially the, the AAA facilities are built, and, and I, I believe that they are the only ones that can really handle that load. Uh, you know, from a from a player welfare standpoint, uh, from certainly a size standpoint, the the scope of what they're able to offer in those those larger cities. But but one of the things that has been been added into this conversation was that potentially you could see, let's say, just for sake of uh, an example here, the Hickory Crawdads uh, been in in uh, existence since the early 1990s. Just uh, their stadium, just off I-40 down in Hickory, a fairly nice single A complex. They've they've made some modifications to it over the years. That could be a team that could see either a switch in their classification. Let's say that a uh, minor league baseball comes in and says, Hickory, you're no longer in the Sally League. We're going to put you in the Southern League. You're going to become a double-A franchise, and you're going to be affiliated with Team X. Part of this, this movement or this discussion between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball has been to say, nothing is sacred. We can move cities we can move franchises around we can say to a to a, a long time hub of uh, minor league baseball like greensboro has long been associated with the south atlantic league we could say hey guess what you're moving up to double a now we're going to put a double a franchise in this place and it's going to be the affiliate of this team uh, there's a, a move to maybe regionalize more the affiliate relationships with major league teams. So, uh, you know, and the Braves have already kind of done this themselves. They've, you know, they've got Gwinnett right down the road. That's their triple A team. They've got Mississippi not too far away. That's their double A team and, and so on and so on. 
Major League Baseball would like to see a little bit more of that regionality because it, it does allow teams to move their pieces around a little bit more. And certainly, if you can get some of those higher levels closer to the Major League hub, that makes transactions easier to execute. Um, I, I believe it was the Washington Nationals, if I'm not mistaken. Their AAA team is on the West Coast. Uh, you need to bring up that major league uh, or middle reliever uh, at the spur of the moment because somebody got hurt the night before. That's a challenge for one of those one of those franchises that may be uh, set that way geographically. So lots to discuss in terms of the overall scope of how this will all go down uh, between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball. But certainly in a state with 11 minor league teams currently, uh, this has some implications on how we're going to enjoy America's pastime and and remember the, the linkage between uh, some of our favorite cities, our favorite places to watch games, these, these revitalized downtown stadiums, and who we're actually going to see play there. Is it going to be those that, that first season, um, you know, the, the college player that was drafted getting their first taste maybe of, of a full season of minor league baseball, and they're doing that in places like Zebulon, and they're doing that in places like Greensboro. Are those going to be the players that continue to go through there? Are you going to get a higher level player? Or are there going to be franchises that, that may be at those lower rungs that's, that, that see themselves on the other side of the, the chopping block? So J.J. Cooper of Baseball America will help shed some more North Carolina-centric light on, on this topic, uh, especially uh, here during the World Series baseball on a lot of folks' mind. Other things that are going on, because there's no shortage. We've got college football this weekend. The only ranked team associated with the state of North Carolina, that being the Appalachian State Mountaineers. They're 21st this week. They're at South Alabama. Wake Forest in the polls, but they're off this week. Uh, they will uh, will be back at it again next week, but uh, Dave Clawson and crew have the week off. I guess only black and gold teams can be ranked uh, in the state of North Carolina as it is right now. Now, the DG Show crew, I know Darren's like packing the, the minivan right now to get the big tailgate tour uh, uh, brought to you by Continental Tire. They are in Chapel Hill this week, Duke and North Carolina. Darren, that's got to be one of the more intriguing games on the ACC slate in what is kind of like coastal moving week. Uh, so to speak, but uh, you get Duke and UNC. Are you are you going with a neutral blue, or are you just going to go completely <laughs> off the palette and like wear burgundy to that game? Tomorrow? Well, I will say our Continental Tire shirts that we wear are black and gold. Maybe playing well, along with the theme that we can only yes. be ranked in the state Smart of North Carolina. At Continental we're... Tire. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, no blue either on either side for us. But I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's not often that that this game features two teams that are are good and vying for a top spot in the division, right? I mean, I think normally is the case either one's much better than the other or vice versa, you know. So uh, it's this will be a good game, and I, I think it's maybe the best version of this rivalry in, yeah. in a handful of years probably. Yeah, I mean, when was the last time that both of them met at this time of the season and and had bowl implications on the line for both teams? And and probably both of them thinking, oh, this is this is one of those games we've got to get if that's where we're going. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we'll we'll see that all unfold four o'clock tomorrow. Duke in Carolina, and again the uh, big tailgate tour uh, on location in Chapel Hill for this one. So be on the lookout. I'm sure Darren will will give us more details a little bit later on exactly where and when and all that fun stuff. Uh, we're we're talking NBA a little bit later on in the show today too. Hornets and Timberwolves both one point winners in their openers. They square off tonight at the Spectrum Center. We're going to talk to uh, my old friend Buzz Peterson, assistant GM of the. 
uh, Charlotte Hornets a little bit later on in the program. Uh, certainly a, a lot of folks still uh, uh, kind of digesting the, uh, the win for the Hornets over the Bulls. Uh, back uh, a night uh, night before last. Uh, a couple of things coming out of that. What's the status of Nick Batum? We've heard he's out two to three weeks. How are the Hornets going to handle that? Uh, you know, from a from a rotation standpoint. But PJ Washington certainly still getting a lot of praise after his record-setting performance. Uh, Want to know exactly what was it about? Was it the seven threes? Was it the was it the the ability to stretch the floor? What was it that resonated most with the front office about a guy who just a few weeks ago was still kind of thought to maybe be in that in that Charlotte to Greensboro I eighty five sprint between the NBA and the G League all year long. Did P.J. Washington do enough in that season debut, and has he done enough in these last couple of weeks to say, hey, this is going to be a rookie that's going to be with us all year long, and, and he's going to be part of, of the growth of this franchise. So we'll get some takes from uh, from Buzz Peterson, the front office perspective there, uh, as, as we talk a little bit of NBA later on in the program. Uh, another close loss last night for the Hurricanes. Uh, Cam Atkinson had the winner about three and a half minutes into overtime, sending the Canes to their third straight loss as the, they uh, dropped another uh, second straight. Uh, one-goal decision to the Blue Jackets. Uh, Canes and Blackhawks tomorrow in Raleigh. It's a 1 o'clock start. There's no NC State football, so you can spare the the chaos that would be uh, in that uh, neighborhood if you had both the uh, the NHL and college football going on at the same time. That happens on occasion, uh, but, uh, but not tomorrow as uh, the Hurricanes and Blackhawks will do battle in Raleigh tomorrow afternoon. Again, 1 o'clock start. On a free-for-all Friday, we'll ask you to bring anything else into the mix. And, uh, and that could be anything from the college football scene. We're, we're what, a uh, week and a half removed now from the start of college basketball. Uh, certainly very important to this state and uh, a lot of interesting storylines to follow. Uh, we've got uh, pro football. We've got college football. We've got uh, everything in between. So we're going to open up those lines here on a free-for-all Friday, 800-849-2761, the number to call. Now, before we go to break, Darren, why don't you clue everybody into where DG is today? Yeah, so he is at the Alamance Country Club, and he sort of led the charge to put together this uh, memorial golf tournament for his old friend, and actually they were pledge brothers together, uh, Mike Walsh, who I met last fall uh, during football season. We were hanging out with the Elon 7 a.m. tailgate guys prior, uh, or, or, or you know, former tailgate of the year winners, one of our favorites. Uh, to hang out with while we gallivant across the state. And this gentleman walks up to the the large group of us and sees DG, and I sort of saw it in my periphery. Uh, His eyes lit up as if, you know, he hadn't seen someone in years. Well, quite frankly, he hadn't seen DG in a couple of decades. And, like, when they realized who each other were, uh, they, they, like, talked it up, as if they had never been apart over over those 30 years. And and this gentleman, Mike Walsh, actually it started tearing up, DJ, when he was describing to me and his son, who was with him, uh, who DG was obviously meeting for the first time, describing the relationship between he and DG through their college years, literally teared up. So it was a cool sort of reunion between those two guys, and uh, it, it was, a, it was a, a, a good moment at the time. Well, DG took Mike and his son to a a hockey game, to a Carolina Hurricanes game, uh, a few months later. I believe it was March of this year. And, you know, Mike was like the picture of health, um, a a lot going for him physically and otherwise. And uh, next thing you know, it turns out he he had this this sudden cancer diagnosis. 
And I think maybe two weeks later, it was to the point where DG was having to communicate with his wife because Mike was, was, was not well enough to speak. And, um, you know, we lost him very shortly after. So DG currently is putting together this memorial tournament to raise some money for Mike's children's college funds. And I think he's got like six or seven former fraternity brothers, some of which were in the same pledge class, like staying with him for for this weekend uh, so that they could be in town to go to this memorial golf tournament. So that's at Alamance Country Club and uh, uh, a glass raised, I guess, for uh, for Mike Walsh. I know in a lot of ways it's a it's a it's that funny mix of a, a fun but but sad day for for all those guys. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking that the uh, the normal shenanigans that would occur when you bring seven former fraternity brothers together, probably <laughs> yeah. a little bit tempered uh, here today. But but hats off to DG uh, and, and his uh, uh, former college uh, uh, fraternity brothers for putting this on. I mean, you, you talk about a, a way to uplift a family in a, in a time that I'm sure is still spinning quite a bit uh, with, with such a sudden loss like that. It's awesome to see that they're able to, to put something together that can help the kids out uh, for years to come. So we'll give DG a free pass today. He'll, he will be on site for the tailgate tour tomorrow. Uh, big tailgate tour presented by Continental Tire. DG uh, will be in the mix. I saw his arm uh, last, a couple weeks ago. He was up in Boone, uh, uh, brought my college buddies by to meet DG, a few of them. It's funny, we're walking away, and, and one of my buddies says, that's that guy. I, I recognize his voice now. I, I hear him on the radio every day. <laughs> so it was like, yes, there was a there was a purpose to that meeting. But anyway, so I, I see DG's cannon. He's 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 tossing the ball around. He gets I locked say, in, man. He's like uh, he's he's got like the Brett Favre staying power, man. I mean, it's it's not pretty all the time, and it's certainly not fast, but it's it's insanely accurate. He's a gunslinger. Year after year. After year. He's a gunslinger. Does I, he I think any? over. I think a, a, over four years now of, of my being witness to his throwing four participants in the Continental Tire football toss, <laughs> he's probably at like 90%. He, he rarely amazing. misses. That's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I wonder, does he get any special like uh, a David Glenn show uh, massage or rub down on like a Friday <laughs> evening to make sure that, got... that he can move his, his shoulder around? Or does that come more so Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, it's funny. He, the, the other week, it might have been after Boone. It was one week in particular. We maybe had some downtime. So he's just he gets antsy when we do, when there's right. not a ton of foot traffic at a certain point, And he'll just throw. He just he'll grab one of the footballs and just throw for the entire three hours that were set up there. And one week in particular, he came into the studio on Monday and said, "Man, my arm is still dragging." So <laughs> maybe maybe we need to bring on an, a, a team trainer for for yeah, the tailgate I tour. So. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think there are some people that would sign up for that right now. Some loyal listeners that might have a, an athletic uh, training background yeah. <laughs> that could certainly help DG because we're moving in. I mean, this is go time here, getting ready to be in November. I mean, you, you can't you can't fall. You can't fall victim to uh, arthritic <laughs> conditions at this time of year. No, We've got to press no. on. And it's going to sure get colder, so it's going to be the conditions know, yeah. are a little less favorable. We'll see if DG remains battle-tested tomorrow <laughs> as, as he breaks out the cannon for uh, for Duke and North Carolina in Chapel Hill. All right, we're going to take a timeout. We'll come back and talk a little bit about this NFL game last night. Thursday night football, I mean, it's amongst the best, just pure forms of the game that there is, right? Uh, the Redskins probably not saying that this morning, but hey, the Vikings get a win and they keep things interesting in the NFC North. We'll talk about that. Got Darren Gant coming up at the bottom of our number one here in just a little bit as well. David Jackson in for DG today on the David Glenn Show. 
throwback Justice League. You know, Batman, Wonder Woman, Superman, Aquaman. If there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life, Aquaman is your guy. Zay Jones is dominating the three-cone drill. Aquaman is dominating the talk-to-porpoises drill. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back into the David Glenn Show. David Jackson in for DG. And we're breaking out the hootie early today, baby. I just want you to get a sample of this. This is a brand new, like today brand new. Dropped today. You had to know I'd have it. I know it, man. This is called Turn It Up by Hootie and the Blowfish, part of their uh, new CD that drops next week, as a matter of fact. Imperfect Circle hits the shelves November 1st, and this is the uh, the latest track released off that CD. They've got uh, Hold On is actually on the country charts right now, which is a whole different conversation. We're not going to get that deep into the hootie. <laughs> but uh, but I challenged, I challenged Darren. I said, your biggest challenge today is to get some new hootie music in the rotation of our, our hootie bumps. And, and he brought it, I mean, strong. I don't think the song is six hours old yet. So Something you like win. That. You win the day. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, speaking of winning the day, yesterday the uh, the Minnesota Vikings won the day, the Thursday of the NFL. I, I don't know if they count as full wins or not. Maybe they maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't. <laughs> but uh, but the Vikings got it done last night. Nineteen nine win over the Washington Redskins. It's not too early if you're a Panthers fan, especially, to start thinking about wild card implications, where teams sit how things are breaking out. You know, we're, we're kind of passing the, the midway point of the NFL season now. So you, you got to start paying a little bit of attention. If the Panthers can't catch the Saints, who do they need to pay attention to? And, and, and the Vikings may be one of those teams. They stay a game behind the Packers atop the NFL North with this, or NFC North, rather, with this win last night. The Packers uh, and and Vikings do not play their final matchup of the season until Christmas Eve Eve, second to last week of the regular season on the 23rd uh, at uh, at U.S. Bank Stadium. Remember, they played early in the year. It was a, a relatively tight 21-16 win for the, uh, the Packers over the Vikings. So, again, that, we're looking a, a little bit ahead in terms of the North standings, but think about it more so in the implications about what the Carolina Panthers may face as hurdles and challenges to overcome should they become part of the wild card conversation a little bit later on in the year. We'll talk plenty of Panthers here in a little bit. We'll have Darren Gant on here in just a few minutes uh, from uh, NBC to talk a little bit more about uh, the Panthers uh, game this weekend against the 49ers, but also some of these other implications. Looking back at last night, though, this this was really all about uh, a Redskins team that is still just kind of staggering out there into some sort of, of do we have a plan? Do we not have a plan? Uh, you know, we, we've seen a coach let go already. We, we see a team that has no offensive identity. They were held to less than 300 yards last night and, and far less than 300 in the two sixties in terms of total offense. Meanwhile, you've got Dalvin cook, uh, uh, almost a uh, hundred yards rushing about 75 yards receiving, give or take uh, as, as part of his total performance. Stefan Diggs, we touched on him, but, but how about the, the whole, idea here of of minnesota uh being able to you know kind of throw it back in the face here of the redskins a little bit from a quarterbacking perspective and bringing Kirk cousins along to have the night that he had last night uh, uh north of 200 yards receiving but but here's a guy that you know you, you take it back to the whole you like that well how do you like that now uh the redskins are are in obscurity by a long 
uh, a long leash and they they have to see one of their former players that they maybe didn't put a, a lot of stock into uh, pacing what could be a, a wild card contender, maybe even a division contender on the other side of the ball. Things not uh, not well for the Redskins. Maybe the uh, the Vikings as they continue their uh, their winning ways. I believe that's four straight for them. Uh, just the right time maybe to to hit that midseason groove. We'll get more insight from this uh, on this game from Darren Gant here uh, as we uh, get ready to head to another break. And then of course uh, a lot of folks centering back around the Panthers. What will their win streak look like after this week? Will they be able to hold it together against a 49ers team that hasn't lost yet? Are, are we looking at this being the breaking point here in the string for Kyle Allen? If he loses a game Sunday, does he come back the starting QB? Is Cam Newton far enough along in his rehab to make that determination, uh, uh, you know, kind of a if this, then this type type thing going into the weekend? Some say yes, that's, that's going to be the Panthers out, right? Some say Cam isn't ready yet, and Kyle Allen's going to be quarterbacking at Bank of America Stadium in two weeks anyway. We'll see how that all goes. We'll get Darren Gant's thoughts on that as we uh, take a time out and bring in one of the uh, longtime guests of the program. Darren Gant joins us next. David Jackson in for DG on the David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is The David Glenn Show. Welcome back into The David Glenn Show. David Jackson in for DG here on a free-for-all Friday. We'll have plenty of time for your phone calls throughout the show today. Get that number loaded. 800-849-2761, the number to call. Talking a little NFL football right now with our guest, Darren Gant, NBC Sports and ProFootballTalk.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at Darren Gant. Darren, always great to talk to you, man. Welcome into the David Glenn Show. Yeah, good to hear that voice again, Dave. How are you, buddy? Uh, doing well, man, doing well. I'll, I'll give you a chance to shout out your uh, 21st-ranked Mountaineers here in a little bit. But uh, but let's talk about this uh, excellently played Thursday night football game last night. Uh, you know, the, just such a uh, such a show, uh, a showcase for the sport in itself. I'll, I'll touch on the Vikings here in a second, but have we hit the floor yet for the Redskins? I mean, can it get worse? You know, I will say this for Washington. They at least play games in a hurry because they can't throw and they continue to run. They're getting games over in two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes. So it, at least it's less miserable or miserable for less time than it could otherwise be. It's, it's a mess, and it's a mess for a lot of reasons, and it begins with Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen. I mean, I think as long as those two guys are in charge, and there's no indication that Bruce Allen is in any kind of danger of losing his job at all. And as long as that's the case, I think they're going to be a bad football team because – uh, they've done nothing to suggest that they're going to bring in serious football people or let those people do their jobs. They had one in Scott McLuhan. They ran him off after a year, and, you know, they seem to be okay. I mean, Bruce, when they fired Jay, poor Jay Gruden, who, you know, basically finished with what amounted to a 7-9 and nine every year record, well, if you look at Dan Snyder over 21 years, they come out to about a 425, 430 winning percentage, which is basically a 7-9 franchise, and that's what they are. Uh, looked like it uh, maybe even not necessarily 7-9 and nine last night in the 19-9 yeah. win for the Vikings over the Redskins. Let's talk Vikings for a little bit. Uh, on a hot streak, 
continue to make the NFC North uh, a little bit up for grabs. Certainly, they've got to beat the Packers late in the year uh, to to wrestle away that advantage at the top of the standings. But but what do you make of of where the Vikings are with the running game? We saw last night from Dalvin Cook the ability to still spread the field from an offensive perspective. I don't know if you can put too much credit into their defense at nine points to a team that only moved it about two hundred and fifty yards. But but still, it looks like it's a completing puzzle now for for minnesota as they hit the midpoint of the season yeah and it all comes back to Kirk cousins i mean they gave him all that money to be a difference maker at quarterback and for the first month of the season he was in the wrong direction and you know he's had a good october i mean he's looked like somebody you pay a bunch of money to and he's found a connection with certain guys and and the formula works right now but you know, I, I got to tell you, after doing this day for 25 years, I, I try to take the long view on certain things and not be a prisoner of moment on teams or players or anything like that. I think over the course of his career, Kirk Cousins has proven to be an, a pretty average quarterback. And, you know, having a good month and a bad month is kind of par for the course with him. So I want to see if things even out. I want to see if November looks like October did or whether he reversed to September form. I, I, I told some friends here in, in Charlotte last night who were joking about investing in those markets that uh, with Minnesota at about a 16 and a half point favorite. And I said, if you bet on Kirk Cousins in a night game, you're a sucker. He's about five and 13 all time in primetime games. So, um, you know, those things tend to tell the story to me. I, I want to wait and see. They are very good. You're right. Uh, when the defense has been asked to step up, they've played well. I don't want to give him too, too much credit for last night. I agree with you on that. But it's a pretty good formula. I don't know that I would necessarily consider them a Super Bowl contender. I don't know that they're to that level. But they're definitely a playoff contender. Carolina Panthers trying to catch the New Orleans Saints before they can get too concerned about that. They've got a 6-0 and San Francisco 49ers team out on the West Coast Sunday. Uh, we'll talk more about that game uh, throughout the course of today's program. But, Darren, your initial take on, on where the Panthers are at this point in time after, uh, after the bye, going out to, to San Francisco, another long trip. They seem to, to be in a run of those here lately. Uh, but, but what do you like about this matchup from Carolina's perspective? What, what do you like about the 49ers proving that 6-0 and is good enough to be 7-0 and and then some? You know, right now, honestly, Dave, two teams build on pretty similar platforms. I mean, uh, we tend to think when, when a team ha- hires a young offensive head coach, we tend to think of that only through the lens of the passing game. Kyle Shanahan is a running coach. I mean, his offense is built on the run game in a lot of the same way his father's was when he was had so much success in Denver. And I, and I think because they've invested so heavily in defensive linemen in, in recent years, because that offense is built on what they're able to do in the run game, you know, the, the 49ers are a lot more traditional uh, than I think a lot of people want to acknowledge. And, you know, they've had good success. Jimmy Garoppolo's played well. But they're not unlike the Panthers. If you look at what they're doing, especially with Kyle Allen at quarterback, they've drawn that offense in. And it is Christian McCaffrey and friends, basically, at this point. And Allen hasn't been asked to do too much, and he's failed to screw it up, which is the first job of a <laughs> of a backup quarterback. So I, I think mission accomplished there. I think they're both in a pretty good spot. This is definitely, though, going to be the toughest task. I, I went through the numbers the other day. I, I think the highest-ranked defense Kyle Allen's played against was like 17-18, somewhere like that. The average of the defenses he's played is in the high 20s. Well, he's playing the second-best defense in the NFL right now. 
this week. So we'll find out a lot more about where Kyle is as a quarterback and, and whether he's going to be ever anything more than just a backup. Darren Gant joining us here on the David Glenn Show from ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, longtime friend of the program here. Uh, you know, take it around on the other side, and and you know we've heard so much about Kyle Allen uh, and and his replacement of Cam Newton at, at the quarterback position due to injury, and and that whole storyline continues to brew. But but over here off to the side. You've seen a team that has redefined its identity from a defensive perspective up amongst Mm -hmm. the the NFL leaders and takeaways, sacking the quarterback, bringing back the pressure that we saw be so successful for the franchise in in 2015. Uh, At this stage of the season, how much more can you anticipate that continuing to be a calling card of this team? And when will it ever get the credit it deserves to why they're sitting at four and two in the first place? Yeah, I don't know why more people wouldn't give them credit. They lead the league in sacks despite having a week off with their bye early. Uh, and, and if you look at it, I mean, that was really the focus of their offseason as much as anything. Every move they made was designed to create more pressure after a really disappointing year in, in that regard last season. You know, Ron Rivera moves back in and takes over defensive play calling, which is a huge part of it. You go sign Gerald McCoy in free agency which, I mean, it's just the kind of move. I, I credit David Tepper for that one because that's almost a move in, in the past. It'd be like, wouldn't it be nice if we had a Gerald McCoy? Well, instead of saying, wouldn't it be nice, they went and got it uh, to go with a Bruce Irvin, using your first-round pick on Brian Burns, who looks like a player right now. And, and to be honest, I wasn't sure he'd make this much of an impact this early because he's a skinny kid, and I, and I didn't know how that body was going to hold up at the NFL level. And we'll see – now that he's kind of reached that point almost of what a college season looks like. Well, I'm curious to see how he holds up over the long haul, but so far so good on him, and and it it really is. I mean, it's it's an old-school platform they're playing from, but here's the thing we know. Ron Rivera is good at coaching X and O defensive football, and when he took that part of the game back over, uh, stepping back from more of an administrator role, they got a lot better. So, I think it's a it's a simple formula, but it's not necessarily an easy formula, and it works for them. Darren, a lot of fans seeing this game, especially going up against an undefeated team in the 49ers, as, as an opportunity for an out, so to speak, for the Panthers. If they lose the game, they can make that quarterback switch and make it seamlessly and say, well, it's because of this, and now Cam's healthy and, and go with it. Now, there are some that are suggesting that maybe Cam isn't quite ready for that transition right. just yet and, and that Kyle Allen could be the guy when the Panthers return back to Charlotte next week regardless of what happens out in San Francisco. How have you read the tea leaves from that perspective, and and what do you ultimately uh, see as the health progression of of Cam Newton at this stage? You know, just from talking to people around that building uh, recently, David, I I don't think Cam's going to be back on the field anytime soon, and it doesn't have anything to do with San Francisco or Kyle Allen. Just he's not well enough to go yet. He is not advanced to the point where, you know, he's out there basically stretching and doing – you know, some calisthenics with the athletic training staff right now and hasn't progressed to the point where he's actually practicing. We don't know right now. Ron Rivera's going to talk in a little bit. We don't even know if he's going to get on the plane and go to San Francisco. They've kept him from traveling recently just because he can't do anything but stand around on the sidelines. And with a foot injury, that's not anything you necessarily want. But I, I think the questions about, you know, whether they lose the game or whether Kyle Allen finally loses. I understand why people think that way. I just think it's a moot point at this point because Cam's not well enough to go. And and I don't know when it's going to be. I mean, my understanding is we're probably still uh, several weeks away from that being the case. I mean, from him being healthy enough to even 
get to the point of practicing on a regular basis. So, you know, I, I think it's Kyle Allen's show for the next little bit, and, and we'll see. I mean, obviously, I, I think most people understand a healthy Cam Newton's greater than a healthy Kyle Allen. Uh, we just haven't seen a healthy Cam Newton in a long time, and, and that's the – that's the factor. I mean, beyond any of the intangible stuff, or oh, they haven't lost, we've got, you know, that's all great. But you've got a former MVP quarterback, and as soon as he's well, guess what? He's going to be on the field. Absolutely. Darren Gant uh, finishing up here, uh, profootballtalk.com. Final question for you. Uh, as, as we look at this being week eight of the NFL schedule, we're, we're kind of at that midway point. You can no longer use that, that, that storyline of, well, it's early. It's time to put up or shut up for a few teams out there. Who are the ones that that can stand to gain the most by getting hot right now? Yeah, I I think there are a number of teams. When you talk about early and being surprises, nobody, I think, has probably surprised me more than the Buffalo Bills. They've really remade things up there. And and sitting there with one loss at this point in the season, they've already had their hot streak. But I, I think there are a number of teams, as I look, across the NFC. I mean, on the AFC side, it's always the Patriots and fill in the blank. I mean, whoever the other team is going to be at that point. Uh, and we don't really know, but the NFC is so wide open right now. I mean, even though the 49ers are 6-0, and I don't necessarily look at them as a category apart uh, from everybody else. The Packers are playing well. I mean, we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers' relationship with his coach anymore. It seems he and Matt LaFleur get along well enough to work together. So, um, it's a wide-open NFC. I, I just think across the board, Dallas is probably, you know, they've had their ups and downs there. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm so hesitant to throw dirt on the Eagles, even though they've struggled at times this year. I, I just think that coaching staff does such a good job, it's impossible. I, I really don't know how to handicap. You know, to me, the best team in the NFC might still be the New Orleans Saints, and they've won games without Drew Brees on the field. So, and, and oddly enough, nobody in New Orleans is asking if Drew Brees should get his job back when he gets well. Funny how that works, right? Yeah. Darren Gant joining us here today uh, from ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports. Uh, you got an App State viewing party planned for tomorrow at noon? Uh, yeah, we're definitely going to have it on the TV. We're, we're definitely going to take care of that. I was able to get up there last weekend for homecoming. And I tell you, David, it's been amazing to me, and I don't mind – I'll take my objective reporter hat off for a little bit and just say we. I'm proud to have gone there. We've gone from punching above our weight to kind of punching people in the face. That was the thing that I was amazed at last week, and I don't know how good Louisiana Monroe actually is, but seeing Appalachian in person, you realize this isn't just a little team playing big. This is a good college football team. They can line up and just run straight at people. Darrington Evans is amazing. He's he's one of a long line of good backs we've had in Boone, and, and I think he's probably going to end up playing in exchange for money in the NFL. But I, I was impressed. I mean, I, I've seen that they were winning. I've seen them on TV a little bit, uh, caught them earlier this year against Lafayette. And, but when you see them in person, you understand that that's a lot more physical team than I think a lot of people want to give them credit for being. I always love it when Darren Gant throws the we in front of App State, man. Uh, always great to talk to you. I look forward to catching up with you again soon, Darren. Absolutely, David. Anytime, my friend. All right. Darren Gant joining us again from NBC Sports. ProFootballTalk.com. Follow him on Twitter. Always great insight on the NFL and more at Darren Gant. We'll take a time out. When we come back, we're wrapping up our number one. David Jackson filling in for DG today on the David Glenn Show. 
Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Lou U and Agriculture U. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show. Hour number one of the David Glenn Show here on this free-for-all Friday, just about in the books. David Jackson filling in for DG today. Special thanks to Darren Gant of ProFootballTalk.com for joining us, talking a little bit about last night's Redskins loss, the upcoming Panthers game against the 49ers, and plenty more. Always great to hear his insights. Hey, quick check of the ACC schedule coming up for tomorrow. Pitt and Miami, which Hurricanes team is going to show up? That gets the day started off at noon. Syracuse at Florida State, another uh, game uh, between pretenders I think you could probably say in the ACC race intriguing matchup Virginia at Louisville we'll see if uh, we see the early season Virginia team or the mid-season Louisville team kind of wrestle that one away 330 start on the ACC network Duke in North Carolina that's where you can find the big tailgate tour driven by Continental Tire tomorrow that kickoff at four o'clock and then Boston College at number four, Clemson. The Tigers, the only ranked team in action in the ACC. That's a 7.30 kickoff in Death Valley. Uh, Boston College was hot early, kind of sputtering of late. Clemson uh, not necessarily in their full groove just yet, so we'll see exactly how that all plays out. Again, plenty of time for your phone calls here in hour number two on a free-for-all Friday, 800 800- 249-2761, the number to be a part of the program. David Jackson in for DG today on the David Glenn Show. I don't want those damn dookies rooting for us. They've hated all year long. Let them go right on hate. If the situation were reversed, I would hope they would lose by 100. You're in fantasy land if you ever think NC State's going to make it back to the national championship game. So just forget that right now. Go to hell, Carolina. Go to hell. Keeping the peace in NC on the David Glenn Show.